0: Good morning, and peace be with you. We have uh, Susan doing announcements this morning before she comes up to do that. I've got a couple of my own. Um, On our bulletin um, for our sending hymn today, we had an audible called. So just make a note um, that the closing hymn will be on page 487, 487. And it is, let us ever walk with Jesus. So we're a little changed there. A couple of things uh, came to mind this week Um, for our gospel today. um, It is the last of the parables that Jesus told in Matthew 13. And so what we see today are three very, very short gospels. And you've heard me say in the past um, that uh, Jesus wrote a check for you and for me to redeem us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. And on Sunday morning, it is clear that the check cleared when he resurrected to life again and announced new life from a tomb. And so that will be prevalent today in, our, uh, in the sermon. So see if you can find out where that comes in. Second thing, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you probably do. But um, I remember coming across when we were writing the Constitution, rewriting and adding, you know, including things in it. Um, specifically about uh, the Lutheran congregations and mission for Christ. But do you know what the name of this church is other than Reformation Lutheran Church? Did you know that we're—it is Reformation—there you go— Reformation Evangelical Lutheran Church. Now, lately, evangelical has been turned into a pejorative. An insult, a grouping of people that are less than desirable. So I've asked people, do you know what evangelism means? If somebody said, hey, divine evangelism, could you do it? I'm not going to point at anyone here. I'll do it for you. Evangelism is simply proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So if I ask somebody, well, what is an evangelical Well, you might get a thing those are the people that come knocking on your door in the middle of you're doing something, and they want to know if, if you found Jesus. And you might say, I didn't know he was lost, or something like that. I mean, there's a negative connotation. It is simply going and telling, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, In the sermons here, and in any church that you go to specifically, you're going to have the good news and the bad news. Because there is bad news. That is, all who should believe will go to heaven by what Christ did for them on the cross. The bad news is, those that do not believe don't inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? That's a sad thing. We have a God that does not desire any should be lost. So why am I saying this? Well, for some time now, more than two or three years, I've been watching kind of the trends. And it seems that there is a really specific effort to demonize Christian churches. So if you hear somebody using the word evangelical, evangelist, and maybe in connection with white Christian nationalists, I want that to kind of cause an al- not an alarm, but just pay attention. Who are they? What are they saying? What is their point? Why are they doing this? Because, um, folks, <laughs> uh, there is a conservative attack about people of faith. And I just need you to be aware of it. I'm need you. i praying over you uh, that it will not trouble you. I'm praying that you get in your heart and be able to speak exactly what an evangelist is and does, and ev- exactly what evangelical or evangelism is for those that are out there, and try to stave it off, because we have a world that just doesn't know and we hear things and then the connotation you know goes along with it it's not negative to be an evangelist it is not a negative thing to be an evangelical church it's a good thing okay all right that's off my chest susan
1: everybody um, the, the announcements haven't really changed too much but today for missions today is the last Sunday that donations will go toward the um, victories um, men's home next month it will change so if you want to make a donation haven't done that today's day to do it um, sit and be fit <clears throat> continues on Tuesday on Also on Tuesday, the Bible study is is going to go back to a regular Bible study. We did our uh, vacation Bible school, and it was a lot of fun. And I would like to thank everybody who was involved in that in any way. Um, It couldn't have happened without you. And uh, I especially want to thank Pastor for his patience (laughs) and Ashley for all of her help as well. So, but yes, thank you. And I, I think we'll probably do it Again next time, so we had a lot of fun and generally our Bible studies are all always fun. Um, the men's Bible study meets on on Saturday, and I think they have fun, but they also have donuts so if you want donuts on a Saturday morning and have a, a, a Y chromosome then go to the <laughs> go to the men's Bible study. Um, uh, on page five of the bulletin, there's a spot, you know, for praise. Um, if if you have something that you want to praise and you want to share with people, just make sure Ashley knows that and she'll get that into the bulletin. Um, we always need worship assistance, and, uh, and it's not just here on Sunday. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to help. So if you feel like you want to do something, but... Maybe not on a Sunday. Talk to Ashley because she'll have, she'll find a spot for you. I promise. Hi, huh, Ashley. <laughs> um, and Diane, thank you again for being here with us today. Um, you and Nick are greatly appreciated, and we love having you. And um, summertime can be lonely, if, especially if you're not feeling well and you're and you're alone. So, um, if you have it in your heart to reach out and and, and contact. Um Either by mail or a phone call, somebody's on the homebound list, please do that because it'll mean the world to them. I'd like to wish all of the July babies, happy birthdays and all the um, and the Becks and the Whitneys. Happy anniversary in July. It was uh, what a blessing we have with each other and and um, so we should celebrate those things. Anyway, thank you so much. Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
2: It's the Blue Ivy, I've got my phone in the car, I never not my if
1: church but it's the Blue Ivy, it's on your town So everybody, just keep special prayers, if you want the address, I might have it on my phone that they, that they sent me, but she's there hopefully just a month. But like I say, she's been having trouble walking with the treatment she's been going through. So just want to give you a little update on that. Sorry, sir. Did you guys all hear that? No. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll t- uh, Nancy has been um, placed for one month into a facility called the Blue Ivy on, on Yorktown in Huntington Beach. she's been having trouble walking and retaining water, so the feeling is that um, if she's there, she can get treatment every day and it'll be ongoing rather than <clears throat> excuse me rather than having someone come to her weekly or so. So prayers for Nancy, for one thing, that this is successful and she can return home. Prayers for Wendy, too, during this whole thing. And um, if you want information about the facility, see Luann. She has the information. Or she will have it a little bit later. (laughs) Okay? All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and love that receiving what you have promised, we may love what you have commanded through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
2: Good morning. morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses six through nine. And this can be found on page 285 in your pew Bible. This is written by Moses about 1400 years before Jesus was born. Deuteronomy chapter seven, beginning with the sixth verse. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out of the mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a 1,000 generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Now we will read Psalm 125 responsively, and it is printed in your bulletin on page six. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. This can be found on page 1757 in the Pew Bible. Now, this was written by Paul primarily to new Christian Gentiles, but also Jews who had converted in Rome, proudly Corinth. The words are difficult in this reading. And if you have trouble with them, I suggest you talk to the pastor later. It it can steer you the wrong way or be misinterpreted. The theme is, God knew us before we were born, not the other way around. Romans chapter 8, beginning with the 28th verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: The Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 13th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 52, and can be found on page 1519 in your pew Bible. Matthew records, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and he bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven Is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. And then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. And he said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures, amen in the name of Jesus and evangelism is not a bad word so this is the third week in a row that we are looking at parables from Matthew 13 and today we are actually studying three parables one's called the parable of the hidden treasure the next is the parable of the pearl of great value. And the third is the parable of the net. And these parables are somewhat different from those of the previous two weeks. For one thing, they are much shorter. At most, as you notice, they are only a few sentences per parable. And the other thing is, is that only one of these only one of these parables has an explanation from Jesus. And the disciples didn't ask Jesus to explain the other two. In fact, you heard Jesus specifically ask them, have you understood all of these things? To which the disciples answered, yeah, or yes. This means that we must do a little extra work to understand the first two of these parables. So let's start with the first one. The parable of the hidden treasure. It's one of the most challenging. It is the most challenging of the three. Whereupon we read, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Now, the difficulties stem from what the treasure is and what the man represent in this parable. You know, many people believe that the treasure in this parable is the gospel or heaven itself or some other spiritual blessing. And they believe that the man in the parable is us. And the idea is is that we should be willing to do anything that we can to obtain so great a treasure. This interpretation seems reasonable just on the surface, but a deeper study turns up many difficulties. Let me explain. For one thing, the character in this parable trespassed on another person's land, and he dug without permission, and then he did not notify the owner of the land of the treasure. And finally, since the owner did not know of the treasure, this man purchased the land under false pretenses— well, that's a different way to look at it. Nevertheless, Jesus seems to hold this person up as an integral part of the kingdom of heaven. So how do we reconcile this with the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount? Well, ask this question. When has Jesus ever told us that the end justifies the means. Never. Another difficulty with this interpretation is that the simple fact that we, can't, that we can't do what this interpretation asks us to do. The Bible, it regularly tells us that we can do nothing to obtain spiritual things. In fact, the Bible teaches us that We are, that we naturally reject God's gifts. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they they are spiritually discerned. So what are we supposed to do? Paul tells us that by nature, we do not even want spiritual things. So how can this parable ask us to sacrifice everything for them? It doesn't make sense under that interpretation. However, the answer to the difficulty that we may have lies in today's reading from the Old Testament that Ken read from Deuteronomy Chapter 7, in verse 6, the Lord your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Who did the choosing? God did. Amen. And from this verse, we learn that the treasure is not some sort of spiritual blessing that we must sacrifice to obtain. Instead, we are the treasure. And it is Jesus Christ who is the man who purchased the field. And the Old Testament reading also tells us that we are not a treasure because of anything that we have done. Instead, we are a treasure because God has chosen us to be his treasure. Jesus loves us, even though we are sinners. In order to ransom us, Jesus surrendered his throne in heaven. He took on a human nature. He lived in poverty and under severe oppression. And ultimately, he even surrendered his life for us. So this parable expresses the same thing that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to the Romans, the Christians in Rome. He said in Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And like the man who paid all he had in order to to buy that field, Jesus paid all that he had, even his own life to ransom us from sin. Now, the parable of the pearl of great value, it duplicates this teaching. Just as God loves us and calls us his treasure in the first parable, so now he shows his love for us by calling us his precious pearl in this parable. And again, The merchant expends his entire life savings to obtain this precious pearl. God spared nothing, not even his only son, to redeem us from sin and death and the power of the devil. He even removed the sense of his presence away from his son in a way that we cannot understand. You'll remember for Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God did all this to ransom us and to make us his own. He has surrendered all so that he could take us worthless sinners and transform us into his valuable treasure, his precious treasure pearls. Now, finally, the parable of the net. It makes it very clear what will happen to all people on judgment day. Good news, bad news, right? Jesus compared the people of this world to the contents of a net full of fish. And just as a net gathers up all things from the water, so Judgment Day will gather up all things. And just as fishermen sort the contents of the net into trash and good fish, so God will send his angels to separate the evil from the righteous. The righteous are those who have the righteousness of Christ through the Holy Spirit's gift. Of faith. They are God's valuable treasure, his precious pearl. The evil are those who refuse the Holy Spirit's gift and they rely on their own righteousness for salvation. They may be valuable and precious in their own sight, But that means nothing in the eyes of God. The Bible tells us that we are sinful creatures. The psalmist in Psalm 51 5, he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. From this we learn that we are sinners, the instant that we come into existence at conception. And the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. From this verse, we learn that nothing we do in our lives, not one thing, can change our sinful status. Paul tells us in Romans 3:23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And from this, we learn that no one can escape from this sinful condition. And from today's parables, we learn that God still considers us precious in spite of our sinful condition. We learn that God will spare nothing to ransom us from this sinful condition. Instead, He will liquidate all of His holdings in order to purchase and redeem us from sin, death and the power of the devil. The Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write this in First Peter 1 verses 18 through 19. Peter writes this, amazing, Peter the fisherman. You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And from this we learn that the holdings Christ liquidated, the check that he wrote, were paid in the currency of his holy innocent blood, a shedding of blood into death. And we know that Christ's payment was sufficient. The check cleared. He did not remain in the grave, but he rose on the third day. His resurrection assures us, those who believe, that we are indeed God's treasure, his precious pearl. His resurrection assures us that we will also rise from the dead, and it assures us that we, as God's precious people, will enjoy heaven with him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you please stand, if you're able? Let us now confess our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty,
3: Let us pray dear heavenly father we humbly come before you in the name of jesus to pray father we need you now more than ever you are our refuge and strength conform us and shape us so that our desires would be in alignment with your will we want your will to be done Jesus, deliver us from our independence of you. We need you to walk with us and to guide us through this life. Lord, there are many who suffer, many who don't feel well, many who do not know you. We pray that you would grant your mercy and provide your healing where there is pain and disease. And give us ears to hear your good news. Lord, we pray that you would ease our anxiousness and replace it with hope and trust in you and your promises. Your word never fails. You will never leave us, and we know that nothing can separate us from your love. Father, we lift up those who are mourning the loss of their loved ones and ask that you would send your holy comfort. Father, we pray that you would restore love, joy, health, purpose, and peace in our hearts. You, Lord, are the giver of peace. Father, we thank you for Pastor Ken. We pray that you would strengthen him and bless him to do all that you have called him to do. We pray that you would refresh him daily with your Holy Spirit and keep him strong and healthy. We thank you, God, for your love and your faithfulness. We praise you, dear Father. You deserve all of the glory and all of the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives that you have made for the sake of Him who gave Himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father. You may be seated. The gifts of Christ are for all people. The Holy Sacrament here was mandated by Jesus, as often as we come together. This is a means of grace. This grace covers you and rescues you from sin, death, and the power of the devil. It assures you of salvation. It is a promise that was written in a check from Jesus' blood. That check cleared. He came out of that grave on Sunday, Easter Sunday, proclaiming new life from the tomb. If this is your confession, Christ, him crucified, him resurrected, him coming again, then come, the table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward. The reminder, page 487 is our closing hymn. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.